part of our journey as being farmers was that we had sheep for 20 years. And I don't pretend to know that much about how to do sheep, but I learned a lot about how not to do it by doing it. And I learned a few things. And when I got saved, I realized we're like sheep. And so hopefully I'm bringing you a few things today about that. The need of the shepherd, John chapter 10. I hope this is a positive message, but one that's real. Um, Jesus spoke this in verse 28, speaking about his sheep. 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Let's pray, Father, very, very simply. Father, we just come before you throne of grace and mercy as your sheep, Lord. Just speak to us, we pray through your word. And uh, apart from you, I can't say anything that has any real value, but we know through you is life. So through your word, speak, we pray, the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Ten is a continuation of nine. Of course, there's no chapters in original writings. And what had gone on, of course, Jesus had healed the man who was born blind, remember? And, and he put clay in his eyes. He went to the pool of Shalom, which means the pool is sent, and he was sent, and uh, he was healed. And, of course, it caused a, a stir, of course. It was on the Sabbath day, and the, the neighbors said, weren't you, you a guy born blind, and this and that. And so they had a hard time grasping that, and they ended up going to the Pharisees. And, of course, they brought him to the Pharisees. And uh, they wanted to know what was going on. Who'd healed you? And... I don't know, he said, but this, he healed me. This guy healed me. And so anyway, uh, uh, it went on, and they went to his parents, and of course, they were deceptive in that, and they were afraid to say anything. They were put out of the synagogue. If you were put out of the synagogue, it would have affected your whole standing in the community, ultimately your pocketbook. And so then they went back to this, and they said, well, get, calm down here. They said, well, we know that he was born blind, and how he see, we don't know, ask him. So they went back to him, of course, and, and uh, they said, no, just come on, confess. We know this man's a sinner. How'd you get healed? How'd your eyes get healed? He said, I don't know if this man's a sinner or not, but he said, he explained it to him once again. He said, would you be his disciples? And he basically preached to them. And, of course, they weren't ready to hear that truth because they weren't ready to receive the truth of who Christ was in the first place. So they ended up throwing him out and said, you were born altogether in your sins, but we're the sons of Moses, right? So Christ came to this man. He found out he was what we call 86. Is that the term they use, 86? He was cast out. And he said... Uh, you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, who is he, Lord? He said, I'm it. So he fell down on his knees and he worshipped him. So Christ, he told the Pharisees, he said, if you're blind, you'd have no sin, but 
Now you say, we see, therefore, you send remains. In other words, you have to own what you claim to be true. And so in verse 10, chapter 1, he goes into illustration. It says in verse 7, and old King James, I used to read that for years and kind of where it came from, but um, got converted here, okay. And, no, <laughs> but anyway, uh, a lot easier than these and downs, I can tell you that much. But the point being is, it says a parable in the King James. The point is, there's one important message in every parable illustration. And the first thing is, Jesus is the shepherd. Well, see, he's the shepherd, he's the door, but he's the only sacrifice that can meet the demands of the law and meet what we needed in eternity, which is true life. And so he said, most surely I say to you, the one, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Now, uh, back in those days, and they, do they have sheepfolds today? They have them today, don't they? They have shepherds today. Spencer, he's a missionary and his wife, he's a teacher at a little Bible college, he's Pastor Rich's eldest son. They're on the goal line, right? And so they teach over there, and he sees the shepherds. The only thing he said nowadays, the shepherds have cell phones. So it's no different here, you know what I mean? Farmers have them too. Yeah, okay, and they're, anyway. So they have sheepfolds, and of course, you see that throughout the world, and they were enclosures, of course, whether it be stone, whether it be thickets or whatever, sticks. You see this all over if you go on YouTube. And they would run the sheep in at night to protect them from the wolves, right, from other animals that would harm them. And of course, what they did back then, they would have someone who would watch the doorway, right? And he said, but whoever climbs some other ways, a thief and a robber, a thief denotes being a sneak, right? We have thieves today that they break in and they steal. Pastor Rich's trailer was stole back here. It was a thief. Church van had the had the, uh, what's that on the exhaust, the uh, catalytic converter. I mean, an old van, 200 some thousand miles, and they stole it. That's a thief. And he's talking about basically to these Pharisees who, you know, they were being deceptive in how they were handling this matter, being confronted about a man being born blind. They couldn't face the fact of who Jesus really was, so they're trying to be deceptive, try to work around it and to get a position where they didn't have to yield. But a robber denotes someone who comes up and they're just handed over. Gunpoint, whatever, sword. This is what you're gonna do, and that's exactly what they did when they kicked that man out. Get out of here, you're born in your sins. We're of, the, we're of Moses, you don't belong, a moose. Rather than rejoice that a man born blind, can you imagine that? Born blind his entire life, don't know how old he was. And everybody would have known this guy was born blind. He probably was a beggar, right? And he's walking around, he can see and rather rejoice with him the work that Christ had done, whether they believed or not, just the fact they couldn't rejoice that this man could see, they exposed their hearts. There were thieves and there were robbers. And the enemy's there to do that to us today. Here's what he says. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And that's who we have, Jesus. He is the door, and we'll see that. He is the shepherd. And he's the shepherd, but 
one of the things I wrote down was sheep, after being 20 years, sheep need to be led. I had new fences I put up and all this, and pretty soon they get old, and I had sheep get out. I had sheep get in a neighbor's corn. And he was very gracious to me, and I had to get that thing fixed up, and I kept working with it. I had a donkey used to get out all the time, too. But any, anyway, my sheepfold wasn't too good. But the point being is they loved the taste of that corn when they got into it. I did a funeral here a little over a year ago, and I went back there, and I was kidding him. He, and uh, I said, he said, well, you still preaching the funerals? I said, yeah, and you can do a eulogy of mine. He said, I didn't realize that corn crop could be so good when that guy left. <laughs> you know what I mean? Didn't realize that ground could produce such a good corn crop. He was very gracious. They didn't eat that much. But the point being is, he is truly the shepherd. I was a sheep man, I was not a shepherd, okay? A shepherd is one who lays lay his life down. The shepherd is the one whose focus is the sheep. It's not the position, it's not the money, it's not the prestige. It's the fact he's called to take care of the sheep. And if you look at back when the shepherds came to worship Jesus. They were the first ones. It was not a, an honorable trade or a notable trade, I should say. And they were, they probably, it might have been their own sheep, but a lot of times they weren't. They were doing it for somebody else. They were, the, they were guys who did it for the owner. And ultimately, those sheep, very, very likely that Jesus, uh, the shepherds went to go see their sheep, uh, would have been probably used that time for the Passover. Isn't that interesting? And here was the Lamb of God laying in a stone enclosure. So he's laying this out to them. They would have understood this and would have probably knocked them a little bit, these Pharisees that thought they were beyond. So he says, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hears his voice, verse 3, and calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And, of course, in that time, it, it, that's denoting in every village would have had a main sheepfold. And so every shepherd would bring the sheep in at night and, of course, they knew the shepherd's voice, right? Because he would have... Uh, basically nurtured them from lambs all the way up, right? And I can tell you stories about people and sheep and how cruel it can be, and I don't have time, won't get into it, but I've seen some horrible things. But the point being is they would have known the voice of the shepherd, and, of course, that doorkeeper would have watched the door, and the shepherd would have counted them as went in, and in the morning he would count them as they come out, and, and every shepherd would call to his sheep, and that bunch of sheep would have followed them. And the other shepherd would call out, and they would follow him. That's how it worked. It was communal. And I was looking into a, real quickly, I was looking into a, 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 what do you call a commentary. And this guy was so sharp, and he would just take me deeper, and I had to get out of it. He said, well, the sheepfold represented basically Judaism, and the doorkeeper would have been John the Baptist, and it's like, and I all I know is there's one main central point. Jesus Christ is the shepherd, and he's also, we'll see, he's the door. In him, folks were protected. In him, we're safe. 
And so he brings out his own sheep, verse 4, and he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And that's what we read in verses 27 through 30. And I would ask today, does the Lord speak to you? He speaks to me. He speaks to his word, and he impresses upon me and my heart through prayer also in a relationship in Christ. I'll never forget this. I was a heathen, got saved at 40 and a half. I didn't know what it meant to pray to the Father. I asked this old preacher, he said, just pray for it, he'll show you. I remember the day that I said, Father, would you just show me what it means that you're my Father? And I can't describe it, and some people say I'm not supposed to say this, but I experienced his love in a way I can't, we probably all have, and I just kind of went, fell on the ground. I felt like a little kid. I knew his love was so great I could never lose that. And then, of course, here comes life and you get into religion, right? Religion will kill that. So he said, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. And that was, of course, this man who basically wasn't going to go the way of the Pharisees. And so it says in verse 6, they use this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. So here we get into kind of what maybe I understand a little bit more. Verse 7, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, he said, I am the door of the sheep. The word I am means ever-existent one, of course. And the Pharisees would have heard that, it just means existence. He was the great I am, spoke to Moses, but in this, this term it means I've existed. That would have set them off. But he said, not only I am, he said, I'm the door of the sheep. We know in John 14, 6, when he gave the promise to the disciples, they were concerned about him leaving. Remember he said, if I go away, I'll come back to you and come back to you. He said, I have a place prepared for you. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That's the assurance we have. Now, there's a lot of people who try to say, well, yes, but there's, there's no, it's just yes, that's it. There's no other way. He is the door. By the way, the shepherd, as you probably know, would have, in that time, in an individual sheepfold somewhere, the shepherd was the guy who laid in front of the door. There wasn't a communal doorkeeper. He's the one to lay down his life in front of that door. He counted them. They come in. He was in the door, and when he went out, he counted them going out. In other words, he didn't leave those sheep. And I always wondered, I said this one time, about when the shepherds left the sheep, they left the sheep to go worship Christ. Who was watching them? Was it the angels? I know the Lord was taking care of them. I always wondered about that. I mean, that was what they did. I don't know. But they were safe. I believe that. Here's what he says. He says, he's saying, I'm the door. I'm the great shepherd. And he said, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But he said, I've come that they may have life. They may have it 
more abundantly or to the abundance. You know, the enemy is, he's, uh, he's not smart, but he's, he's extremely cunning, right? He worked with the most cunning animal in creation, the serpent. He deceived Eve, and Adam was found in rebellion. He's deceptive. You know what he wants to do? He wants to steal your joy. Primarily, how does Satan steal our joy? Think about it. It comes through it, things in life, things that occur in life. And many times, it comes just by people you run into. Remember, he's talking about someone coming in the sheepfold to be a thief, to steal, to be deceptive. Believe me. There's plenty of people that would love to rob your joy of who you are in Christ. John chapter 15, Jesus said, I say these things unto you that your joy might be full and that my joy might remain in you. Without joy, pretty soon we start heading down a road, and John spoke about it. Forgiveness when you go to bed at night. Things that occurred in your life, and it'll work on you. It'll take you to a place if you don't come to release that and say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's just not where I should be. It'll take you where you don't want to go. You know, uh, the word kill, steal and kill, the word kill means to temporarily, but temporary take away to kill off the blessings that you have in your life. One of the diseases I had with sheep was called foot rot. Anybody ever experienced that? It's horrible. And I remember the year I had several hundred head of sheep on the place. I had feeder lambs. I had used probably 270 some used lamb out. This is in the dead of winter in February. And I had all these other sheep and I had 400 acres of corn to pick in the snow and I had foot rot. It was horrible. And every day, what I did besides the chores and I picking the corn whenever I could get to it, and I got, we got it. I trimmed hooves. And I would dig out the infection, the pus, and get it down to bare skin and give them shot, antibiotic. And then I put foot bath. They had to walk through it to go from the lot into the place. And I had to be careful my boots because it's born in the soil and you bring it in. It was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. It's kind of like that with people sometimes. We have to guard ourselves. I wrote this down. I just write my Bible, okay? I've had a, a day to do this, but Isaiah 57, Isaiah 59.7, it says their feet, they run to evil, and wasting and destruction are in their paths. You will run into people just like these Pharisees. They came to the man. They brought him, the neighbors brought him to the, the man in the first place. But because he didn't satisfy what they wanted, they went back to him. They were very deceptive in what they did. And virtually what they did was to, they were trying to kill off any, any belief or anything that he had encountered in Christ. They tried to take that away. I remember 
after I fought foot rot for two years, they finally come up, they had a, a vaccine. And they're slow with sheep because cattle has all kinds of vaccine, there's money in it. Sheep, they're slow. You can, you can intermarry all that stuff, use cattle vaccines on sheep a lot of times, but it's not okay, but we did it because there was nothing cleared for them. They finally came up with, with for sheep, and it's because sheep, not enough sheep, there's not enough money in it. The pharmaceutical company runs through money, right? So ultimately, I vaccinated them. You gotta do it twice. But guess what? It came back two more times. And I had to finally get to a place, and I read on the label, it says, you do this, and after two times, basically, if it keeps coming back, it's chronic. You have to let those sheep go. You realize it says in the book of, uh, the book of Titus, I think it's chapter three, it says, a divisive man, or the word is heretic, after the first or the second admonition, he said, reject him. There are people that will come into your life, they'll try to invade who you are, whether it be the church, your own personal life, whatever, and it seems like their job is just to, to rob you of the joy of Christ, to take away what you have in Jesus. You have to do. You come to a place where you just don't enable that anymore, and you have to reject that. And that's virtually what he was telling this man. So here's what he says. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved to go in and out and find pasture. The word saved literally means to be, uh, um, I had this written down. It's talking about um, saved in that relationship who are in Christ. It's just not an eternal thing because they're already sheep. He's talking about being delivered from what the enemy wants to do to you. Oh, the other thing I forgot to say is kill, steal, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. The word destroy means that after, he, I'm going back, but after he, he wants to steal your joy, he wants to kill off your relationship in Christ, and the word destroy means to make you that bloody sacrifice instead of Jesus. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do? He wants you to be the sacrifice. I want you to think about this. What happened the last three years in the church? COVID. And what did they do? They put all kinds of fear in people and whether, whatever the point was in California, you could be, get a tattoo, you could go to a strip joint, but they didn't want you going to a church and singing. Isn't that the insanity of, of Satan himself? That's the truth. He wanted us to become the sacrifice, the bloody sacrifice, because they didn't want to receive Christ. Because they don't know him. But he says, I'll read this again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved to go in and out and find pasture. You know, sheep, not only do they need to be led, but they need to flourish. I started, I went broke the first time when I had sheep. Eight years I had them, and we were farming on our own, and 
not very much, and two droughts took me out. We sold them off. So then we were in a corporation with my brother and my father, and then at the very bottom of a sheep market, we end up buying this, a lot of sheep one time after an ice storm, Thanksgiving ice storm, and they were, these sheep were starved, and they were out on the, on the uh, corn stalks. We had to go over in Iowa and go get them. They needed rescued. They needed to be saved. So we bought them, dirt cheap. Couldn't get any money for them, but we scrounged up the money and got them. And that's where we started the second time go around, 12 years to build up a new flock. And it was a mess. But that's where we, that's where we were. The word saved means not just saved from hell and damnation. It means saved in your relationship you have. And that's what that man needed. He'd worshiped the Lord. He, he had been on his knees, whatever. He needed to be saved out of that deal. He needed the confidence and we need that confidence in our lives because there's plenty of people telling us. You know, the AI, I'm getting off track, but do you know that the World Economic Forum, they want AI, they're going to plan to write a new Bible? AI, going to write a new Bible. Insanity. Because they don't know Christ. Go in and out and find pasture. It took 10 years. In seven years, I had a pretty good flock, but in 10 years, I had a flock that could go through no more foot rot, no more sore mouth. That's the second one that really messes with them. And these other diseases, it took 10 years to get a good flock. And then two years later, when I went into ministry, it was time to sell them. I was done, and that season had passed. Sheep need to flourish. Here's what he said. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life, you may have it more abundantly. That life is talking, the word in the Greek is, the, and I'm not, a, but I can read just like anybody else, Greek lexicon. It's the word zoe. It means the absolute spiritual best of who Jesus is. It's an eternal life. It's the best. It's not the word bios, it's the flesh. That's where we get biography. He said, I came to give you a life that has no shame or no guilt, the absolute best of who he is. And to have it abundantly. Sheep were meant to thrive. I'll give you one more sheep story. If you really wanted to make money, I had a guy, he, he was a, you call him sheep scalper, sheep trader. He's in the sale barn every, every week, about 90 miles away in this town of Norfolk. And so you'd go, he'd buy sheep for you for a fee. And, and in the fall, they'd be the, all these lambs that they'd got from 4-H. And they bought them to put in all these little, you know, lots and stuff around their houses because where they farm intensively, they just have trees to, for the windbreak, Right. And so they had them, they called them grove cleaners because they clean out the weeds, and, but they was full of ticks and they were, they were wormy and they was wool hanging. And that's the way it is the enemy. That's what he wants us to look. But if you took those sheep and you wormed them and you sheared them and you started to feed them good, man, they would come on and you'd make money on them. 
You bought them cheap, you sold them high. You bought them light, you sold them heavy. Jesus wants us to flourish. The enemy wants to make us just a bunch of grove cleaners. To the abundance. Here's the promise we have. Philippians 1.6, being confident is the very thing that he has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Isn't that great? Yeah. And when I get in my moods, and I do, I forget those things. It's an eternal life. Religion will put a hook in you and take that away. Well, you, you didn't do enough this week. Well, you know what you did? John's famous verse. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses from righteousness. That's not a salvation verse. That's a sanctification verse. Cling on to it. So here's what he says. I am the good shepherd. The word good doesn't mean because of what he does. It means the absolute best because of who he is. You know something? And I'm going to be I'm meddling a little bit. I pastored a church for 12 years. We started a church from nothing. Sold the farm to do that. It's still going by God's grace. It's not by me. And you know something? I watched God work through that. Because we couldn't do that. But the point being is, I forgot what I was going to say, I guess. But the point was... Uh, It was only because of the Lord. I guess that's the point I was trying to get across. It was only because of the Lord. The good shepherd gives us life for the sheep. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, if you're going to be a pastor or you're going to be in the ministry where you're teaching a word or whatever, you're going to get criticism. That comes with it. That's how the enemy works. And some of it is good. There's nothing wrong with having criticism if it's meant to that you get better in what you do. Maybe it's something I need to repent of. Maybe it's something that I've overlooked. But you can get negatives from people just because, as John said, or I think you said, we're just people. We're sheep, but we're, we're people. By the way, I think there's like 600 and some breeds of sheep. I looked at that one time. Highland sheep, lowland sheep. There are sheep that are on islands. There are sheep in the desert. I can tell you stories, some of that stuff, but they're sheep. And you put them together, guess what? They don't act the same. That's the way it is. But we're all just sheep. We all need a shepherd. We all need to flourish. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he said, a hireling uh, who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep, and he flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. If your pastor, past, present, or future was perfect, you wouldn't need Jesus. But I'll tell you this much, and I'll stand on it. We have a shepherd in this church. I've known him enough. It took me a, a while 
to be with Pastor Rich. And I, I saw it, but I just had to, I trust the man. Because I've seen what he's done with people behind the scenes. I've seen him lay down his life and some of the things that he's done. He's not perfect, but he's a shepherd. Anybody think he isn't? Go look at those vehicles out there. He owns them. 300,000 miles. He drives an old car. He's 65 years old, finally getting his, his first house. I know I'm kind of speaking. Anybody tell me that he's in it for, for the bucks? He's the real deal. A hireling leaves the sheep, and it says the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. We need not only to be led, we need to be uh, to flourish, but we also need to be one. I'll tell you a sheep story. Uh, <laughs> I used because I was on the bottom bottom land and there wasn't really any real pasture. I had to scrounge for it. And I mean, I really had to scrounge and take them here and there. We had some land and it was real low land and there was one of these places, it used to be a farmstead and there was about two acres and they had a pretty good brome on it and some buildings. So I took a water tank and I took the electric fence and I put up and I put the sheep in there and did pretty well. Till I came there one morning and sheep had been tore up with the dogs. So where'd they come from? And then I, there was a neighbor. They tore up, but not really bad tore up. And uh, so I went and talked to him. I said, man, you, you gotta, would you tie up your dogs at night and stuff, or do something because it tore up the sheep. I could see he had wool hanging out of his, he didn't say too much. So lo and behold, about two days later, it came back. This time the meat was stripped off some of the legs. They were just bone. They had their, their hooves and stuff, but they couldn't walk because the muscle and everything had been tore away from the bone. I had to put them down. That's when I went over there, a man of the flesh, and I said, you know what? That's the last time. I said, I said, if you don't take care of these dogs, I'm going to come over and I'm going to kill them right on your place. That's the last time it happened. You know, I'm going to tell you something. The enemy wants to tear us apart. He wants us to scatter. But we're called to be one. And we need to fight for it. Just like with those sheep there. Because if you don't, he'll shred you up. He'll never quit. And the safest place you can be is to be together in the Lord. Am I right? Because when I'm weak and the gifts are given to the body, yeah, they're given to people, but they're given to the body to build up the body. And so when I'm lacking or I'm weak, I got someone come alongside and they'll say something and they'll notice something out of my conversation and they'll pray for me. And I pray for you. I see this in this church all the time. And that's what, through the COVID deal, what they wanted to do was to scatter us. Unfortunately, it happened. But we're here. He said the hireling flees because he's a hireling, about done, does not care about the sheep. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. 
and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. The word know is the word gnosko. It means experientially. We know him because we experience him. Scripture says we love him because he first what? He loved us. Right? I had some sheep one time I brought in out of Texas. Last sheep story. <laughs> and they were called button-tooth ewes. They were four years old. I brought a semi, brought them in. And what it is down there when they go on the plains or the desert, they're eating grass low. Sheep will get right to the ground. The problem is when it's gritty sand, they'll wear the teeth down, wear them right down to the gums. But they still have a full mouth of teeth at four years old. And they're called button-tooth ewes because they're just like buttons. Well, they have to get rid of them because they can't run them on, on the desert anymore. So I brought those sheep in. I put them out in the lot, and they got all kinds of stuff. There was apples on trees falling down. There was pasture, and, but they, they wouldn't drink from the water because they were these hog fountains, these hog waters. You know what I'm talking about? The little hog, you run underground water to them, and they drink out of them, and the float goes down, and they go, it fills up. That's how it sounds. Well, being a desert sheep, it scared them. By the way, sheep don't like running water. That's why it says in Psalms 23, he leads me beside still waters. It scared them. Man, what am I going to do? So I'm looking. There's a hog waller there. He's, the guy had hogs in the old days. So I run a hose. And I started filling it up. Here they came, drinking the water. That's how I did it. See, Jesus knows how to, how us to, to flourish. It's relational. I had to know a little bit about sheep, know what to do. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Almost done. Other sheep which I, which I have, which are not of this fold, verse 16, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and there'll be one flock and one shepherd. John chapter 17, it talks, when Jesus was in the garden, who would he pray for? He said, I don't pray for the world. I pray for those you've given me. But he also prayed for those that were going to be given to him, so they'd be what? One flock. When I used to bring sheep together in the farm, I had these old feed bunks made up. Well, last story, but... I had feed bunks make out of uh, grain elevators. Anybody know what an elevator is, grain elevator? It's what you did. I mean, they were like elevators, and they had chains with these paddles. And back before combines, they would put the ear corn in, and they'd put it in the old corn crib. Well, you took those, you buy them for like 10 bucks a piece, big, long 30-footer, and you'd drag it in, and you'd take a torch, you'd cut it up, you'd make a feed bunk, right? And I'd put cross bars here, you know, wood or whatever, and kind of like you know, the fancy cattle feeders right in Texas, only sheep way. But you know what? You bring sheep in from another flock to a flock that's already been established, guess what happens? They don't mix. In and by themselves, they don't mix so well. You know how I got them to get together? The feed bunk. The word of God. That's what transforms us. That's what changes us. Not just because we're the flock and they're the flock. 
but the word of God changes us and brings us together. Amen, and he prayed for that. And that's going to finish the finale. We'll be out of here, but that's going to finish somewhere in, in the tribulation towards the end. All right, Israel will look upon whom he will be pierced. And whatever the remnant is, it said they're all going to be saved. Until that day, Spencer, keep doing your work. Every man ever been saved has been prayed for. You know why? Jesus prayed for him in a garden. So here's what he said. Last two verses. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life. I may take it again. What do you mean? The father didn't love him to lay down his life. The word literally means to love. It's the word agape, but in that tense, it means that it's a mutual agreement. It's a consent. Before God ever created anything, he was in mutual agreement, consent. He would, he would create this universe, this world, and sinful man would be here. So he would have to go to the cross and save us. And the, the, the only way I can even come to this to even compare it would be, and this is a real poor comparison, but parents, a man and a woman, they love each other, and they want the best for their kids. And so even though they love each other and they give themselves to each other, they're willing to do something for their kids, even though their kids be spoiled brats, but it's for their good. It's what's best for them. Agape means giving yourself over totally for something that they may not even want or desire. That's the love that Jesus had with his father. Mutual consent, mutual agreement, one, inseparable. That's why he said, I and my father are one. Man, what a promise we have. You talk about dedication as a shepherd. So here's what he said. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I've received from my Father. Isn't that beautiful? It's powerful. I'm going to read you and end here, 23rd Psalm. And I know you've read this many times, and there's a lot I don't know. But I'm going to read this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's because he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you with me. Your rod and thy staff, your staff, they comfort me. And so it says, because of that, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's today. That's present. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And man, here's the promise. Here's the eternal promise. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, I thank you for your word and that uh, you can uh, use just men. Uh, 
to give out your perfect word in perfect man, Lord. And we're grateful for that. We're grateful, Father, we're the sheep of your pasture and that what you hold for us is so much beyond what we can even comprehend. But Lord, we're just called to follow you. We thank you, Lord, for that. All we have to do is just be together, go as one herd. Thank you, Father, until the day you take us home. In Jesus' name, amen.